episode 22. So we're going to go back in time because we're behind. We can't talk about what these drinks are until the next episode. That's right. Which, spoiler alert, we're getting two episodes in. Just going to throw that out there. Even though people are going to change clothes probably. <laughs> I'm going to change hats. I like that too. Russ, he's not going to change shirt. He's going to take his shirt off. That'd be a negative. <laughs> so we decided to do two episodes because there were some things that we wanted to vent and talk about. Um, real quick though, something I forgot last time. Screw Madden 21 and EA because <laughs> the Bills rating of the defense is bullshit. So is Tredavious White's rating. Okay. I was going to say, not, not, not only just the Madden rating, but pro football's top 200 or whatever. Top yeah, that's 100. garbage too. I don't know who's voting on <laughs> it that. It means nothing. Yeah. I guarantee Gilmore is going to be like top five. Yeah. So let's start with Murfield Village. They played back-to-back weeks there. Mm-hmm. 19 under was a playoff the first week. And then Rom ends up winning. I can't remember what it, his winning score was. Nine. What was it nine? Uh, nine, 11, whatever you want to call it. Now, we knew they were, it was going to play longer. It was going to play faster. They let the rough grow as much as they could. The greens were faster. The greens were dying. Yeah. Because it came out that Nicholas was going to redo yeah. the greens. Correct. Yeah, I'd heard um, towards the end of the second week, Jack was ordering them to water the greens just enough to keep them alive for the tournament. Right. And he didn't care if they were rolling like parking lots. Yeah. And what was Will McGritt's tweet? He said he got to one hole, he dropped his ball marker, and it one hopped off the back of the green. <laughs> it's a great. Just an awesome quote. Yeah, it is a great. I'll probably use that at some point. Yeah. Um. I watched quite a bit of. I think I watched quite a bit of that. It was kind of tough because we were traveling back and forth to Mansfield. I think I watched the re-air of Sunday. So Rom wins. Mm-hmm. New number one in the world. Yep. And we can start there because we've already had this talk about Rom being possibly number one in the world. Yep. I think we're all on the same page here. I don't think Rom's the number one player in the world. I would I would agree with that. So the only after after we talked about that and I thought about it, it is a worldwide ranking, right? It and is. he has I think he has eighteen worldwide wins. So we did talk like about that. that. Yeah. So I mean no, I, I still don't think he should be number one in the world, but he has played well for the last two or three years. Right. So, but I saw, I, I think he's definitely probably a top five, maybe three in the world, but I don't know if he's number one. I could buy five more than three. Um, My thing with the worldwide, and we, we kind of touched on it, and it's not me being an asshole, it's being, being factual. The strength of fields in a lot of events in Europe is weaker. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just, that's factual. I mean, Rory came out himself and said, if you care about your game and getting better, you're going to move over here if you're from Europe. Yes, there's big events in Europe that they, you know, they have that entice you to go back over there and to play in those events. But mainstream strength, I mean, week to week strength of fields, it's over here in the U.S. Right. He's, this is his third win. Now I'll never discredit any wins. I'll never say, "Oh, this guy won." It was a, it was a, you know, side week. It was an off right. event to a, a WGC or a major. I'll never do that because winning on tour is winning on tour. You can't take that away from anybody. He did win a team event with Ryan Palmer, right? Yeah. So in theory, he actually has like two wins alone by himself 
here in the on the PGA Tour. I think Kyle Morikawa is a better player right now in the world than John Rahm. That's my personal opinion. Yeah. I could argue both ways. Because Morikawa more wins than cuts missed, which is a crazy stat. Yep. Take away the team event, you get the same number of wins as Rahm. Yep. And I always kind of go back to Brooks Kepka. So, yes, Rom has 18, if, if what you're saying, 18 wins worldwide. Yeah, something like that. Kind of lumping that in with what you just said about the strength of field and things like that. In the same time frame, Brooks Kepka has four majors. And to me, I put, I put more weight on four majors than 18 European wins. Yes, yeah, and that's why I don't know how many episodes ago we talked about was the, just the worldwide ranking. Yeah. It's just goofy how they calculate it. Because, right. I mean, DJ's still, what, third in the world, and he's been playing terrible the past. He's not a top 150 player in the world right now. Yeah. Guy can't break 80. Yeah, so it's yeah, it's like when do, when does it make – because obviously we talk about what Tiger's got 118 worldwide right. wins. Obviously, that's in the last 23 years. Right. But what, at what point do you – obviously, Rom, everything's been in the past three or four years. Which is impressive, I guess, if you want to say that. But yeah, what point do you say? Oh, it was five years ago. It doesn't count. I thought the world rankings took into consideration like I, I, thought, I thought it was, it was two years. I thought it was fifty events. Was it? So that could be three years, maybe. Going back three years now. Right. Yeah, there's got to there has to be a cutoff there. Otherwise, yeah. Tiger would still be the number one right. player in the world. Yeah. It's a weird calculation. Sure. It really is, and you can't. I think there's got to be a way you can refigure world number one. I don't think you can get rid of it because they have too many exemptions as far as I tried to think about this earlier. I mean, like, could you just get rid of it? I don't think you can. No. You got to figure out a way to have a world ranking system because they use it to get into tournaments. All the WGC events. Think about those guys that come over from Europe that don't play here all year. They can have FedEx Cup points, right. And come over here and play WGC events. So it gives them the opportunity to. Yeah, I. There's definitely, there's got to be a rework in it. I just don't. Right now, to me, it looks like a flawed. At one time, it looked fine. We're like, yeah, those guys are probably the top players in the world. But to me, it looks flawed right now just because my personal opinion is Rahm is not the number one player in the world. Right. So, according to Wikipedia, so John Rahm has 11 professional wins. Six on the European Tour, one on the PGA, excuse me, four on the PGA Tour, and one other. So, what's his other win in the PGA Tour? I thought it was, this was his third total. Um, oh, he won two this year, right? No. Did he win beginning of the year? Like, because of wraparound? He won the Farmers. Uh, professional win. The Farmers was his first one. PGA Tour. He won the Farmers Open in 2017, Career Builder Challenge in 2018, Zurich Classic. In April of 2019, that was the, the team, team event. Team event, yeah. And then the memorial oh. this year. So he's got three he's individual. Got three individual events. Okay. And, and you could discount the first two because they're part of the early wraparound, and a lot of guys aren't playing. I like, but like you said, obviously you don't want to discount. Winning on tour win, is winning win. on tour, yeah. But the strength of the field in those events aren't as strong. Right. No, I agree. And I, I, I could be wrong, but I thought they took that into consideration when you do 
world ranking points. It is. I, yeah, I thought the it, it takes it somehow takes the event, the event strength of field, and then your finish, and it comes up with some sort of a number, a point value based on that event, and then your world ranking is based on like your total, your average points over your last X number of events. Okay. So yeah, strength of field is factor in, in that. But I just look at a guy that's got three individual wins. And then, like I said, Brooks Kepka has four major wins since 2017. I, yeah, how I'm is sorry. He? And Brooks Kepka has 14 <laughs> professional wins, seven he? on the PGA Tour. All of his totals are better. And I'm not. I'm not saying Brooks Kepka should be the number one player in the world, but, but just, I would put him. If you're comparing it, I would put yeah. him above John Rahm. And isn't he like fifth in the world rankings right now? Fourth. Big and dropping. Yeah, because I thought yeah, Rahm. McElroy, I thought DJ was still ahead of, which I still don't. But there's a big gap. I think if you look at the world rankings, like Rahm and McElroy are like nine point some points, and then like third place is like seven. There's a significant yeah. drop off. So right now, one, two, and three are Rahm, McElroy, and Thomas. Rahm has 8.97 average points. So 8.9. Rory has 8.5. Justin Thomas is seven point five, and then Webb Simpson is fourth right now. Six point. There's a there's a cluster in the sixes. So you got Rom McElroy, Thomas, Webb Simpson, Dustin Johnson at five, Brooks Kepka is six, DeChambeau is seven. Which I uh, I don't like the guy, but I still think DeChambeau is probably higher than Rom right now. Because yeah. Shambo's got to have as many PGA Tour wins, right? He's got more. He won earlier this year. Fifth. He won. He won back-to-back playoff events. What two years ago? And he won. He won over in Europe. Mm-hmm. Won a big event in Europe last year. Yeah. Let's compare. So he's got. He's got to be. He's got to be right up there. Very similar. Which are, that's I don't know. This is what I mean. Like we're not. I think he's got. Shambo's got six PGA Tour wins. And the same thing. Not saying Shambo's the number yes. one player in the world. We're comparing it to Rom, so, who is and shouldn't be. So that's a good comparison. They both, DeChambeau and Rom both turned professional in 2016. So this is an even better comparison. Great comparison. DeChambeau has eight professional wins, six on the PGA Tour. Rom has. And two playoff wins, right? Two playoff wins. Rom has 11 professional wins. Only four of them are on the PGA Tour. And I am not trying to shit on the European Tour, but I put, I personally put more value into the PGA Tour. To yeah, me, and it's kind of like comparing. The big leagues and AAA, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, it's it, no, you're not shitting on it. It's, it's, it's borderline factual. And some players themselves have come out and said, you know, if you want to, you want, if you care, you'd be over here. There's a reason Ian Poulter, Rory, yeah, a lot are. of them have homes over yeah. here. Yeah. There really is. Lee Westwood. Yeah. Right. There's only, what, probably two European events that are probably big. Obviously, the Open. And then the Irish Open, right, which is always the week before, that there's a lot of PGA Tour players go over for. Usually, it's like the Qatar, the Qatar Masters and Abu Dhabi. And there's a couple Abu Dhabi events because they do the chase for there's a chase over there too for money. Right. But yeah, I, I just I don't know. Because yeah, I thought last year, yeah, that chase. I thought at one point like Deschambeau was like number one in the rankings over there, going near the end of the year. Right. Which is crazy to over there a couple times and he was yeah. you win like two one. events right sounds like another flawed system yeah so 
But I don't know. I, sticking with Ron, I mean, I'm not going to – he played well. He, he outlived and outlasted the field. It was just yeah. and what was, crumbling. I, I think it was Friday or Saturday. I don't know what round. He shot like 65, 66, and he said it was probably the best round of golf he's ever 68. played. 68. Oh, yeah, 68. Yeah. It says best round of golf he's probably ever played. Yeah, that's crazy to think about, too. But I want to talk about the penalty with Rom. I know none of us have ever been in favor of someone calling in. But we don't have to call in now. You can just tweet the network and <laughs> the right. PGA Tour. Uh, I would put it up there in one of the most bullshit penalties I've ever seen. Yeah. and I agree. I think you, you were mentioning to me, I don't know when we were at Corey Creek maybe, it says that it must be Visible clear to the naked eye. Correct. Yes. There's no way. And like I said, even obviously Ron was surprised when Amanda said something at the end. He felt bad the for her and like right, breaking yeah. the news to him. And <laughs> yeah. He was like, I mean, it didn't matter in the outcome, but yeah. Yeah, but at that point, if you watch him, I'm guaranteed he's not even looking at the ball at that point. Yeah. He's watching the hole. That, that was my He's just setting his club up and down. Yeah. It, I would probably, yeah, I haven't seen anything that, Shows that or doesn't right, show yeah. it because I think the the whole video is his ball, his club behind the ball. Yeah, that ball did not do enough to impact that shot. No, and to, I don't care. How, I've watched a ton. Some people say like, "Oh, you can see the logo move." Okay, I saw the logo move. How do we know it didn't move back when the grass lifted back up? Right. There's not enough there to, to warrant a penalty. There really isn't. No, none at all. Do you, Do you think if maybe I and maybe not? I don't know. Do you think if he had, like, a one-shot lead, if they would have called him on it? Or if they said, he's got a big enough lead and someone tweeted us, we better call it? I don't know, but if you do that because someone tweeted you, you've now opened up that door again. Right. Which yeah. I absolutely I thought that stand. was done after the Tiger one at the Masters. Which was bullshit as well. Right. It was, He literally dropped it. With the rules <laughs> official standing there. Yeah. And yeah. you're telling me, how, how does that person on TV know it wasn't two feet from where... He hit the original one. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. I, I can't stand it. If you're calling into tour events or tweeting a network, and take your 30 handicap someplace else and go watch tennis. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this pisses me off. But speaking of uh, penalties, Adam's boy, DeChambeau, which, by the way, thanks for the five bucks. I won that <laughs> I, bet. I did. I, pay, I paid up. DeChambeau. Before, I paid up even before he missed the cut. That's right. DeChambeau <laughs> trunk gonna... slamming, as I predicted. Playing a tougher golf course. How much of an asshole is this guy? <clears throat> Normally, I'd say jackass, but I'm going straight. This guy's an <laughs> asshole. Yeah, I don't know how you... For, like, he's basically calling the rules official there because he realized he was an idiot for hitting three wood three times. Out Slugger of White. Like, the yeah. had rules official. And then <laughs> right. he tells him... I, the, when I watch both videos of him and... His arrogance, like he's not asking questions to find the answer. He's just he thinks he's a know-it-all. I mean, that's just his overall mentality. Right. Yep. Uh, he plays golf that way. I could tell from looking at it that thing was out of bounds. Right. It yeah. was It's in the, it's in someone's yard. And then I like how he brings up a fill rule from two years ago on a fence <laughs> that was currently owned by the golf course. Uh, a mesh fence. Let's say we we talked about that. I mean, that's why courses have different local rules, right? Yeah. So the fill thing, I don't. I don't recall that one, but if it was a mesh fence, it was probably an interior a fence inside the course property marking something off. The fence that DeChambeau was talking about was clearly the property marker to somebody else's backyard. Right. Those are two different scenarios. If the if the ball 
you can't request to jump a fence into somebody's backyard <laughs> right. to hit your shot. Whereas, he was thinking and, he could do the fill thing and with how, the fill Right. And I want, okay, and if you say, okay, Bryson, go ahead and hit, how the heck is he going to hit that? That's an iron fence. What are you going to do? But even still, like I'm, I'd have to go back and look, but in Phil's case, the ball was probably inbounds. So Phil's, mm-hmm. yeah. If you And that's what I think Slugger was saying. He's like, if we take a piece of rope and put post to post, big post to big post, in DeChambeau's case, the ball was out of bounds. Yeah. The things that he was looking at were actually inside the post line. Whereas The Phil, ball was under those, which would make it inside the... Right. It was in, in the yard. Yeah. And with Phil's case... If you the mesh fence kind of came in a little bit on the course, but if you went post to post, his ball was still in bounds. Right, and that's what they tried to explain to him. And then once. when, and then he just he looked at Slugger. He's like, "No, nah, I don't believe it. I want a second opinion." I'm like, "This yeah. kid's a jackass." If I was Slugger, I'd go drown him in that creek that was right there, <laughs> the one he almost hit his third ball in. Yeah, and there's there's no probably nobody in the world that knows the rules of golf better than Slugger White. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I don't know how you. And then when they tell him, like, no, he th- I mean, he literally threw a little tantrum. He, like, grabbed the ball and stomped off like a child. He just said, no, you can't have your cookie before you go to bed. <laughs> what someone should have would have should have done, which I wish I would have been there, would have grabbed that shithead by the throat and said, listen, if you want to be pissed, be pissed off. You hit three wood three times from the same spot right. after you knocked out of bounds. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. So I can understand. He hits three wood first time he goes out of bounds. I could understand maybe hitting three wood again because you can keep it in. First of all. I saw an overhead picture from where he hit to where the ball went out. He literally would have had to hit like a 50-yard draw to bring it back in play. I mean, that's how far – I mean, back to the fairway. He probably could have hit like a 15, 20-yard draw to have it in play. Right. But that's how far right he was. And to, like I said, do it a second time, you hit three-wood again, okay. When you know that one's close to being out, just pull a damn iron out and hit it up the middle. Or hit the first one. Back in play. Right. You could still make par. Where should you make bogey? And it's a par five, right? So yes. That's he, what I mean. He, he hits that, and he could still only he still only got a pitching wedge nine iron in. He can still make par. Yeah. But and no, I'm going to jack two out missed, of bounds. and then cut yeah. because of it. Yeah. Sweet 10, Bryson. It cost me five bucks. Thank you for the five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> but to, to his point, he's made. He was mad at a cameraman a couple weeks ago. Because he didn't want to ruin his brand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? That was yeah. his argument. Yeah. The only brand that that kid is tarnishing when he plays is the tour. He's yeah. the laughing stock. Yeah. Yep. yeah Everyone I, want to can sit around and blow him for all far he hits it, but I true thought, fans looking at him saying, man, this kid's an asshole. I would love to know what some of the guys, obviously they're not going to say, but right, they'll, yeah, what, they what some of the guys on tour are thinking when this. I mean, I forget who they're, Cantlay and somebody else they were playing with Friday. Yeah. They finished the hole out. Cantley said he waited like three minutes after he finished the hole until Bryson finally hit up to the green. He's like, he had, we had no idea what was going on back there. Yeah. It was just, it's just a, I don't know, it's an asshole move. So. I just, yeah. I'm over the kid. Never start. Well, you know, I, I did like him at one point. When he came out of college, only his kid could be a good player. And then he started his old, like, I want to put in 40 pounds. I'm going to hit further. Apparently, putting on 40 pounds makes you a dickhead, too. So, <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, but then I want to talk about Nicholas. <clears throat> I want to talk about Nicholas as, uh, as a person, not as character. But And I want your guys' opinion on this. And then we'll talk about why we're talking about it. 
So, Ricky, we're talking about it. <laughs> okay. He, he did some on-air stuff, and they were talking about how he changes the golf course. He literally tore up the greens. Tournament was still going on. They were cutting up the greens. Yeah. They're gone. That sixth green was gone by gone. the time tournament ended. Yeah. So he's tearing up the greens. They say, you know, he adds bunkers, he adds trees. And his logic behind it is, I do it to, uh, to combat technology and the players, which I hate that argument. I really do. Because you still got to put the ball in the hole. So, and he's been known in the past, like, oh, you guys want to cut that corner? I'm going to throw a bunker there. You're going to cut that corner. He brings in, like, already grown, pre-grown trees and throws them up so they're there for the next year. I've always had this thing with Nicholas where I think he's a great guy. He was great for the game, and what he did was awesome. Still think that Tiger's 15 is better than Jack's 18. I always will, just because of strength of field. We could talk about that, too, if you wanted to. Uh, but I also think that Jack has a arrogance about him. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to the arrogance is – He's almost Johnny Miller-esque when it comes to talking about what players accomplished today compared to him. If, if you mention their names in the same sentence, he's just kind of like, yeah, well, back when I did it, you know, it's like, don't really want to hear it, Jack. So I feel like this is his way of, like, he's using his legacy in the golf course he has to put on a tournament, which, by the way, he almost went broke buying this golf course. Oh, really? Yes, he bought it in, he bought it in 1966, the same year he won the British Open. And that's why it's named after Murfield. It's named after Murfield over in Scotland, I believe. And it's hosted a USAM, a Ryder Cup, Solheim Cup, President's Cup, and obviously the uh, current memorial. And I just feel like Jack has this, I'm going to do whatever I can to basically make it harder for these guys. Just, I don't want anybody just looking as good as, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. I just feel like he's got this arrogance about him. I don't know if you guys get that vibe from him or it's like, do you really need to put another bunker? Who cares if some guy just shot eight under for the day? Who cares? Yeah. Uh, yes. I do actually agree with that. Um, I maybe haven't paid as much attention to him altering his golf courses and whatnot, but I do think he has, I would say arrogance is a good vibe to it good word for it i should say when you yeah when he's on tv being interviewed it all they almost present it like you were i don't know listening to the president or you're listening to yeah the king something along those lines yes no you're right so i i can i don't hate your argument on that stance yeah i just I, i don't know i don't mean arrogance in a mean way like i would love to meet the guy it'd be sweet as hell to meet jack I just feel like at times when he gets involved in a conversation, he yeah. feels like his word should carry more weight because of who he is. And then yeah. he just, yes. the control he has is he has this tournament over here in his golf course. And if he doesn't like the way guys are playing it, I'm going to change it. And I think the comparison for me, unfortunately, Arnie, Arnold Palmer is no longer with us within the last couple of years. But to me, Arnie and Jack always were the exact opposite on that. Yes. Arnie always came off as the common man who was happy to see anyone succeed. Right. And Jack, I think, is kind of the opposite of that. And I think that's probably why the two of them always, they obviously competed on the golf course, but they've always been compared even into modern times. Right. Because they are kind of 
different personalities, almost rivals, even after their career was was done. Right. I was. I don't dislike Jack, but clearly, if I had to choose one, I mean, I'm a very big Arnold Palmer fan, and I think it is because his personality is more friendly, more outgoing, more happy to see everyone succeed, which I think doesn't necessarily describe Jack. Yeah, and I think. Because I think Jack's put 30 bunkers, I read. 30 strategic bunkers. Added. Right, add, add, adding 30 strategic bunkers. Yeah. But you literally just saw two weeks in a row your course, there was a 10-shot difference in the winter. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you could, and obviously it was a different time of year that they play it, so they had, it had to be a yeah. little softer this year, just based on timing, because usually it's in May, I think, late May. So... To have somebody win that at nine, and I think the second week there was only twenty guys under par, something like that. So you have what's it, does he want it to be a U.S. Open? Like, you know what I mean? Like most courses are, everybody's making the cut under par, you know, and you got eighty guys finishing under par. I question if the course would have actually been that hard if they didn't play the week before. If someone if the, they don't have a tournament the week before and someone doesn't shoot nineteen under, that's true. Mm-hmm. Do they do the do same they, thing? Do they water it a little more and make sure it stays soft? Keep it more normal. Because even because obviously a lot of courses don't have room to make the course longer, right? Which was mm. his argument was just trying to beat technology. A lot of courses you you can't extend tee boxes, right? He's extending like five tee boxes by twenty to thirty yards. He extended uh, the first hole is like thirty yard difference, I think. Extended fifteen, I think, this year. Yeah. They put in Correct. a tee box. Yeah, a few years ago, he extended. He added forty yards to the eighteenth hole. Yeah, so I don't know. And maybe we'll get in this later with the ball change, but I looked up driving distance, and in the last five years, it's went up like. Five to six yards, like the average. The average for the number one driving distance, driving okay. distance. It's right. only went up five yards in the last five years, right? And it's went up twenty in the last twenty years. But there's obviously a big technology difference. There's also from two thousand to two thousand twenty. There's also seventy three hundred yard golf courses, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like back in the day, like if you got over seven thousand, it was long. Yeah, it now, was. now it's nothing to see a 71, 7,200-yard course every week. And I think courses back then, they weren't, they didn't have the ability. If I'm talking about technology, they didn't have the technology to manicure courses the way they can today. Mm-hmm. So you could say it's 20 yards, but some of these fairways on tour probably stemp at a 10. Right. So you hit a ball out there, it's going to run out 15, 20 yards, probably further than it did back when Jack played yeah. someplace. Yep. We, we can get into the ball change. I mean, if you want to transition to that, and that's Jack's big argument. He's, he, he's like, oh, I've been, I've been crying for 45 years that they need to change the ball. So I want to hear you guys' opinion on the ball, and if you think it needs to be changed or should it be changed. I would say no. I mean, I, it's not like I, I just said. If I read 2020 driving, uh, we'll go back to 15 to just make it a little easier. There's probably three guys – in the top 15 that none of us have any idea who he is, who they are. Um, Charlie Belgian was number six in 2015 driving distance. Who? Exactly. Never heard of her. Uh, 
<laughs> Patrick Rogers, who's bigger now, but five years ago, you right. had no idea who he was. Correct. Same with Jason Kokrak. Yep. Th- those are guys that you didn't ever hear of five years ago. You hear about a little bit now, but and even there's a couple guys this year. Ryan Brem, number three. No idea who he is. So it's not like you're telling me because they're hitting it further, they're playing a lot better. Correct. Look at Cam- Cameron Champs number two. He's, he hasn't really done much. He's won twice. Right. But it's not like he's at the top of the leaderboard every week because he's driving the ball far. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that the biggest, obviously the biggest guy, even Rory's number five this year and Wolf's seven. Bubba's eight. So there's not a huge difference. And even going back to 2000, I was daily and Tiger and Phil and Davis Love were one, two, three, and four. What was their, does it have their yardages listed? John Daly was 301, Tiger was 298, and Phil and Davis Love were 288.7. I mean, the ball was a little softer back then. Yeah, but then there's Scott McCarron, Casey Martin, Harrison Frazier, Matt Goggin. Like, some of these guys, I don't know if they ever won on tour. Right. So, it's not, just because the ball is changing doesn't, it doesn't have a magnet to put it in the bottom of the hole. The ball might have changed too because courses got longer. Right. Yeah. And you got right. maybe not the reverse. You think it's? I mean, I just I would think about myself. You know, a four four hundred eighty yard par four. I'm not hitting driver or seven iron like these guys are. Right. It's yeah. It's just not going to be fun for a low am, an amateur to have to hit driver three wood or four iron every hole into a par four. It's just, you know, it's not going to make it fun. Games don't be enjoyable. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I've always hated the argument of trying to reverse technology in golf, whether it be the golf ball or the clubs. Um, I thought, I don't have the exact quote, but they asked Ernie Ells about this recently. Yeah. I think it's because Jack brought it up again he with brought this tournament. It, yeah. So they asked Ernie Ells about, whether or not he thought the ball needed to be rolled back to control distance. And he said, and this is pretty much how I feel, again, not a verbatim quote, but he basically said, technology's here to stay. It's only going to continue to get better. Golf needs to, in order to combat combat it, golf needs to put a premium on accuracy. Yeah. So I don't, I don't agree with Jack thinking, okay, I watched whole – X on my golf course, all the balls landed here. I'm going to put a bunker here. I don't agree with that. That's what he does. Understood. I don't. Yeah. I, but, but I think my thinking and Ernie L's thinking is maybe on tour, the average rough length needs to get half an inch longer. Right. Or let's say you have a golf course and the average fairway is, I don't know, 40 yards wide. Make them 32 yards wide. Right. So, you got guys like Bryson that are known now for absolutely bombing the ball. Well, let's make it so if he misses the fairway, he gets penalized more. If you can hit it 400 yards, go for it. But if you don't hit it 400 yards and straight, you, you get penalized. You'll be struggling, yeah. I'd rather see that. A little bit thicker, rough, maybe a more narrow fairway. I think that's the way to combat it. If you can hit the ball straight, I don't care how far you hit it. If you hit it straight, you can be rewarded for that. But if you're offline at all, then you get penalized. Yeah, so I think I think that's the way. Instead of trying to reverse the technology, reward 
accuracy instead. And and from the business side of it, do you think club companies are going to be like, well, what am I going to do? Like, that's how I make my money. Yeah. Is we have we have the top technology and we're figuring out ways to make it better every year. Yeah. That's how I make my money. Now you're gonna tell me I'm gonna go back five drivers. Right. Yeah. And I think I I know there's a lot of a lot of golf courses that are regulars on the PGA Tour, and you can't just go change massively change all the holes on golf courses. But I think a prime example from Muirfield is number 14, the short par four that is drivable. But it has the creek in front. Yep. Yeah. It's got a very narrow green, but it was reachable with the driver. Some guys even a three wood, right? Right. But if you went for it and didn't hit it straight, you could end up either in a creek, in the bunker, or in that rough left, which was basically dead because you're then chipping down to a yeah a sloped green going away from you. To me, that's kind of a, an example of the risk-reward situation. Hey, if you can drive this green, you can hit the perfect shot and drive this green, then you know what? You've earned that eagle putt. But if you miss at all, you're potentially very penalized. you got to grind to make a score. Yeah, and, and I, I kind of like that <coughs> thought. Put the premium on accuracy instead of trying to roll back the yeah. technology. And I think we talked about this last episode, is even if he puts bunkers there, Okay, instead of a guy hitting driver, he's going to hit three wood, and now he's going to have a seven iron instead of an eight iron in the green. That does not affect yeah, those guys. not that much. You know, it impact. doesn't affect those guys. And we talked about, I think you talked about with Bryson uh, at Detroit, driving it through the two bunkers, and a lot of guys were laying up short of them. Like, okay, so I have one less club in my hand. If you put any, you know, a six, six, seven, eight, nine iron in these guys' hands, they're pretty accurate. I mean, wasn't it Tiger who so, said, five iron down, I'll take on anybody? Yeah. And, so I was watching a replay of the 2000 PJ Championship last night with him and Bob May. Oh, yeah, I watched it too. And he, I think it was 17, Bob May hits driver, goes left. Now, he recovered well, put one on the green. But Tiger hit a two-iron out there and then hit, he had like 198 into the green. Right. And But that's what he took. Hmm. And it didn't affect him. Every time I watch this, he still walks in that putt. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it You know, it's just, these guys are going to figure out ways. They don't care if they have to mm-hmm. hit a six iron in it doesn't affect them now if you tell me i gotta hit a five or four iron in every time i'm gonna be like oh this is gonna suck (laughs) right so here's my argument with the golf ball if i were to sit down with jack my rebuttal to him would be absolutely not that's not the problem with the golf ball and by the way jack when you played you played with a better better equipment better golf ball than a generation before you that evolved it's not like jack was first generation equipment ball so I would remind him of that. The other thing I would say with the golf ball is, because what they want to do is they think that they need to, because he mentioned this and a few others have mentioned it who are all for them changing a the golf ball. They want to force the pros to use a different golf ball. I totally disagree with that. And here's why. Now you're telling, okay, yeah, DJ's out there, Rory's out, they're all out there and you want to force them to use a different golf ball. Whatever. Here's the problem with it. What about the kids coming out of college who don't have to use that golf ball, but now when they get to the tour, they got to use that golf ball. You're forcing people, like, it doesn't entice. Where do you draw the line? USAMs? Right. State Open? Like, where do you draw the line? Like, do you have to be a pro? And if you're a pro, you have to use this golf ball? Like, it just doesn't work. What about the US Open? What about all the AMs that qualify for that? And they show up and you say, oh, by the way, thanks for playing US Open. You now have to use this golf ball. 
or this version of your golf ball. The problem is you can't do that because now you've eliminated a growth of the game. People are going to just it just gets so discouraging to people. You've drawn this definitive line. Now you're forcing people out who have might not be enticed to try to get better, to try to make the tour, and they're like, well, that's kind of stupid. Or you doubt themselves, like, well, I, I don't know if I want to get out there. Is it going to go this far, or is this ball going to work for me? What they need to do is instead of force, if they want to force the pros to use a different golf ball, here's where you start. Some of these top players in the world, they don't use the same golf ball that you and I can walk in a store and buy off the shelf. Right. That's what you should be doing. At one time, Dustin Johnson was testing five different dimple patterns of the TP5. Yeah. So that's an issue because now they're just fine. They're fine tuning a ball in a lab for him. Right. To me, that's unfair. <laughs> yes. Does that need to change? Absolutely. If I'm playing a TP5 or a TP5X and Dustin Johnson wants to play a TP5, TP5X, you're playing the same ball I could get. Yeah. The same exact ball. That's what they should be well, doing. Well, then you're going to have guys out there rolling them in Epsom salt and water. That's fine. <laughs> they can also trunk slam on the way home. <laughs> so that's that's always been my thing is we know – I mean, Tiger did it. Tiger had a dimple pattern developed by Nike. He had a separate right. golf ball. These guys aren't using separate golf balls. You want to use them, make them use a separate golf ball, but they want to go the other way with it and say, oh, you gotta, we got to scale it back. When they really should be saying – you need to stop making your own separate golf ball. You need to start using what everybody else is using instead of what you are using. Right. That's my big hang-up with it. And that's where I have a problem with them saying, oh, we need to scale back the ball because they're not bringing up the fact that golf balls themselves are engineered for specific players. The other thing Jack is not talking about is the technology is not just in the ball. It's not just in a golf club. The technology is in the actual computerized technology. These guys get on a range and fine-tune everything. They know that their shaft and their attack angle, everything is just perfect. Everything's on a track, man. It's so precise. That's why these guys are that good. Because week in and week out, they say, hey, I had, I'm hitting a little too high. I want to lower it. Plug in the track, man. Try these shafts. Right, because think about, yeah, if, if they say, hey, you have to use this golf ball. You think guys aren't going to go back to their track, man, and say, all right, what shafts do I got to put in my clubs now? So I can flight the the way I need to. Yeah, that they're gonna they're gonna figure it out. Right, you can't limit everything. I mean, these do. guys. I've seen guys. TJ, he was out. I mean, he was out there, and they brought him. He was trying. I think he was trying hybrids one day or drivers. They brought him like three different drivers to try. And the difference is, is like if you and I want to try a driver, we either probably got to buy the driver, or if we already have the head, we try the shaft. They're like, oh, you want to try that? Give me 15 minutes. They run right. back to the truck. They put it together. Everything's so fine-tuned, and they think I think they forget about that. These guys are on track now watching every specific number. Yep. First person to do that, Tiger Woods. Wasn't with the track man, but he always had a video camera. Spent a lot of time analyzing the swing. So I think we forget about that part of the technology. Jack forgets that. And I think he also forgets that he also played with better equipment than a generation before him. Right. <clears throat> That's my personal opinion. Leave the damn golf ball alone. If you're going to change anything... They need to play the same thing that we can buy off the shelf at Dick's Sporting Goods. Let's see what he can do with Bobby Jones's clubs. Right. <laughs> Is that too far back? <laughs> That's pretty far back. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. So enough about them assholes. Let's talk about the creek. <laughs> or should we? 
up to you. Uh, yeah, th- this this one's up to you. <clears throat> so I want to hear from you though. Like, how was your first experience in that tournament? It was fun. I wish, like I said, we went down there what Friday prior, and obviously greens weren't as and they weren't as fast as I've ever played them. Right. And we thought they'd be quicker the following weekend, and they were a touch quicker, maybe barely, but they were still, and even. I think I was knowing in the past how quick I knew the greens were. I think I had trouble chipping on them because I was trying to do something perfect instead of knowing Yeah, I could have just put it close and been okay. But it was a fun weekend besides the two-hour rain delay with one hole left that we had. But Yeah, we didn't have one hole left. We had a few <laughs> yeah, left. you had a few. Ross just got done. He just beat it. But It was, it was definitely a different experience. It was still the creek, and I, I'll never – as long as I can go play in, I'm going to go play in that tournament just because I love going down there. I love the atmosphere. I love the people. It was just tough with all the stuff going on. It, nothing was really normal. No. The greens were slower than they normally have been. That's just due to heat. We haven't really had a lot of rain. And say It's been a very hot summer here. Yeah. We're seeing that at most golf courses. Yeah. They've had to let their greens grow a little bit so they don't die from the heat. And I mean, we can stay with Barry, which, yeah. which is understandable. I mean, that was different. That's what you got to experience. You got right. to next year for it's. We're able to stay there. You got to stay at least a night. Place yes. Macy Ducey, take Marcus's money, <laughs> do all those things. Yep. But tournament wise, I'm a little heartbroken over it. Um, it's, it's yeah, it's laugh, it's <laughs> laughable, but that place in a sentimental way means a lot to me. I don't know why. Maybe it's I mean, you spend a lot of time down there. I know a lot of those people. I was just one of those tournaments where I always felt like the field was rock solid. Took a lot of pride in winning it. I have a lot of friends down there. And then after last year losing in a playoff, you know, that was the big goal this year where Marcus was. So, Mar- by the way, Marcus has, like, horrible, horrible luck finishing second. Yeah. You know that. Yeah. This kid finishes second more than Phil Mickelson. It's crazy. And then he played absolutely outstanding for both days. And last year we lost in a playoff at 12-under. And to lose by one, 17 under. And we didn't make a single bogey, no bogeys. Like, if you would have told me Saturday morning before I teed off, like, you're going to shoot 17 and not make a bogey, I would have bet the house there was nobody going to beat us. Yeah, and even, so obviously I only watched you guys, what, the last five holes after we finished, but it was... 17 when Marcus put it to what, five or six feet yeah. and Mike puts it to a foot and a half. Foot, yeah. You know, it's just, it, it's like, it's not like you guys like lost it. It was right. I say Mike just played out of his mind, but unreal. And I think the looking back on it, the tipping point was actually very early was we were trying to get settled in for the round and they did what we did the day before. They buried the first three holes which is totally doable out there. Yeah. And they made a very nice par save on four, uh, rolled in like a 12-footer, and we had a, we ho-hummed our par. The turning point was five. We played five textbook off that tee over the creek, and they were all over the map. And then for Mike to knock it in from like 50, 60 yards, for birdie after rolling it off the tee, just – it was just like one of those, like, Marcus looked at me, he's like, is this how today is going to go? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> but so far, <laughs> yes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. 
just take a little happiness out of that we played that well and just I don't know it's been nice to win it yeah I had fun and even obviously Sean and I think he mentioned you guys too but he told us before we teed off Sunday normally he said if you shoot in the 70s you tee off in the afternoon and some people shot 75 Saturday teed off at 8 30 in the morning Sunday really he said there was a five-shot difference, five-shot increase difference from last year's field on the first day. Yep. Which I've been, we've been seeing a lot of this year. Yep. Yes. Yeah, Scores being a lot better. Yeah. Yep. People got nothing else to do but play golf. Right. Yeah, because obviously, yeah, Chris and I shot 73, and we were, bar- we barely made the afternoon. We well, shot one over. You and Joe played rock solid. Yep. And. Took a lot of money from Chris and I. Uh, yeah, they did. <laughs> You still owe me for front back total setter. Um, <laughs> no, I thought you guys played rock solid, and I thought your mistakes were minute. Yeah, I can't remember what they were, but I remember they were just yeah, could have been avoided. And it just it's like meh. I mean, the last couple of years we're usually like four over each day for like an eight over total. So this year, Joe and I went one under, four over, so three over total on a weekend. That's and he missed the short putt on eleven. On Saturday for birdie. Yep. Marcus yeah. and Joe had a Joe combined did, yes. like four feet, four and a half feet, and neither <laughs> one of them made birdie on there yeah. yep. Saturday. So we we played probably five or six strokes better total than we would typically do together. So I was I was very happy with it. Yeah, I thought it was great. I mean we seem to get into bad bad luck in the flights where we're always in a spot where we don't even place. Like this year we should again we shoot like six strokes better than usual and Still don't even walk away with like a third place prize in our flight. Hey, at least at least you didn't have two teams do not finish in your flight and still didn't make money. <laughs> That's true. I forgot about that. We got some DNFs over here. <laughs> they couldn't even win by default. Yep. Hey, but we finished fifth out of eight in the flight. <laughs> Probably the highlight of the weekend. I'm totally forgetting. The highlight of the weekend had to be uh, Marcus's tee shot on six. On Friday, I wish you guys could have seen that because the oh, pin, yeah. the the pin was just over the knob on this side, like on the left side of the knob. Well, it sounds like I basically saw an instant replay of it on Saturday. <laughs> you did. It's just that the pin was in a different place. Yeah. So yeah, you oh. basically did see it. Yeah. But yeah, the thing. I mean, it never just left to the flag, and when it landed, I thought it rolled to the back side of the green. I was like, I think it's in that shadow on the back side. I said, like, you still have a look at it, but it'll be all right. And we pull up there, and everyone's getting their ball. And he walks over and just marks it. And I'm like, is that your ball? And he's like, yeah. Yeah, that's that's me. You're like three feet. And it was good enough for uh, 14 hundo in the skin spot. So I'm still, I'm still mad about that. Your eagle on 12 now <laughs> holding up. The text message from Marcus to you was savage, though. Yeah. <laughs> that was wow. that was a savage. Marcus looked at me. I got out of the shower. I read the text. I was like, ooh. So I said something to Marcus. He's like. What do you want me to say? Oh man, I'm really sorry. Like, yeah. As I say, you, you also set yourself up for that. I know one. I did. I did. Like, yeah, he's like, I don't know what I want you to say. Oh, I'm really sorry, man. Here's half of it. He's like, I'm, and I found out because I texted Sean and said, "Hey, you got any lab wedges in the shop?" He goes, "Yeah, and you can buy one. One of the only skin you guys won yesterday." I was like, "Oh." Well, I, I heard that the the person, the kids, those kids that chopped mine. Made it from like thirty yards off the green, chipped it in, which makes it even worse. I wish nobody would have said it, but I wish they would have said, "Hey, they stuck it to like three, four feet, like you did, <laughs> made the putt." 
Do you, any of you, I mean, I have one so I can share it. Do you, any of you have a, my skin got chopped in the worst possible way and it was the only other skin story? Do you think of one? I'll tell mine while you no. two are thinking. 13 in corny, pin back left during the qualifying day. We were one of the last groups out in the afternoon. I hit it in there to like three feet, that back left pin. I roll it in for birdie. That's when Fran said, he's like, hey, that could be pretty good today. And like back left on a Thursday, normally that pin's not back there under the qualifier. It's probably a good birdie in the skins game. So in Fran fashion, he was watching the board like Ricky Pruden for skins when they're hawking. <laughs> and one of the last groups behind us came in. Fran goes, yeah, I mean, your birdie got chopped on 13. I was like, oh, man, really? And Rap was standing there and he goes, Oh, you guys had the other bird in 13? I was like, Yeah, I had it like a. <laughs> I had like, it's bad already when Rap chopped you. <laughs> it wasn't Rap. Oh. He's, I said, Yeah, I had like, I had one in there like three, three, four feet. And he goes, Get out of here. He's like, I don't know if I want to tell you this. The guys he played with, at first I thought he was kidding because it's Rap. Right. Guy hit it left off the tee into the, into the like shrubs. Walked over there, couldn't find his ball, dropped one, knocked it in from 210 with a five wood. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that's four. Oh, boy. So I was not not real pleased with that. But anything else, boys? I'm going to call it quits for episode 22. That was a good one. Yeah. Got nothing. I got some stuff off my chest I got. I wanted to talk about. That's like good. The whole trunk slamming, DeShambo throwing a fit, asking for a second opinion of Slugger White. I feel so much better. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Sorry if I rambled. (laughs) All right, gentlemen. All right.